Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL show, season two, episode nine. Uh, my name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business uh, tonight. No, Tash. Tash is uh, very, very busy at the moment, managing all things NRLW, but we'll be back with us shortly. Dana, it's just me and you tonight, so we can run a mark as we uh, preview the NRL and how exciting the football is back. That was the longest off-season on record. I think I say that every single year, but um, yeah, talk to me a little bit about your experience um, over the off-season. You were able to sort of catch a couple of trial matches. Um, how are you feeling as a Melbourne Storm support, supporter coming into the season? Yeah, like I said, I think because all the sports that I follow tend to kind of be at the same time, like NRL and AFL both winter sports. So come October, I'm bored and there's nothing to do and I can't think of anything worse than sitting at home and watching cricket. So, yeah, the the preseason matches that start in February are definitely some of the best parts. They just get me so excited. And, you know, after the tough two and a half years, almost three years of COVID that we've had, especially down here in Victoria, um, I have never felt so much joy than having to drive an hour to Casey Fields uh, the other week against Storm, uh, for Storm to play against the Warriors. And it was um, obviously a bit of a sad loss, but I think just seeing rugby in, in real life and just being able to stand there and cheer and, you know, it's something that's – you forget how how good it feels and just how much – it sounds can sound stupid to people that don't understand the love for sport, but I think um, not understanding – like that you miss it. So going back, it was just like emotionally and like mentally, I felt so much happier after being in a, a storm game. And I'm just, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, no, it, look, it, it's going to be great. And, you know, you can see that we're all desperate, you know, everyone's watching every trial game, even the teams that we don't follow just to sort of see, you know, some fresh faces, how a lot of these clubs are going. And Dana, that's our listener question this week. Everyone wants to know, and we get, we get asked this every single year, who is going to be the team that wins the wooden spoon? Look, it is really difficult. Um, Dana, I'm going to jump in because I, what I would say is that I, I feel like the the bottom clubs in the NRL uh, this year, this offseason, they have got a lot better. So, you know, the, the team that I'm going to go with, I'm not saying with a lot of confidence, and that is the Canterbury Bulldogs. I just feel like they are still in rebuild mode, whereas a lot of the other clubs that are sort of down in and around them may have taken one or two additional steps. The dogs are really close to turning things around, but um, you know, just the you know the playmaker, the halfback situation, the support in and around Matt Burton, it, it is a bit of a concern uh, for me. If they can, if they can, uh, you know, sort of sort that out, I'm sure they can fight their way off the bottom. But for me, um, they have to be you know one of the favourites for the wooden spoon heading into 2022. Dana. Almost the impossible question to ask, and uh, you know all fans think they're in with an opportunity this year to win a premiership. But um, yeah, what team's got you worried? I was going to um, kind of make a joke out of it, and I was going to say you poor little Newcastle Knights, but I think <laughs> I think they'll uh, give everyone a run for their money this year. So um, you know, unfortunately, I think it's going to be the Tigers. Like as much as they've invested into Dane Carey and to Luke Brooks as well, I just don't think they're going to be able to carry a whole team um, that just hasn't got that experience and they just need to a couple more years and they might get that that little bit further up. But I just think the experience isn't there and poor Tigers. I'm sure supporters, I've got mates in Sydney that 
questioned if they renewed their their, their membership this year just for the sake of being able to go to a game that they might win. And I was just like, nah, just do it because the one time you don't, you'll be in the finals and then you're screwed. So <laughs> unfortunately, it's going to be the, the, the West Tigers for this, for this year. All right, well, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, All Ball. Every franchise has had tons of great players and legendary personalities, but who stands out above the rest? Is Cameron Smith this outstanding leader. Thurston, he hits it, he's got it! He's got the field goal! Andrew John, inside for Elba. He just knew something special was going to happen. Yeah, and Dana, this week in All Ball, you know, one of one of our best times of the week as we get to dive in and preview one of the all-time greats uh, in the game. And this week, we're looking at Sonny Bill Williams, SBW. Dana, when you think about rugby league and, you know, you start to follow a lot of global sports, you realise that we are quite insular. You know, there's still a long way to go in terms of us growing as an international presence. You know, there's still a lot of people, you know, who sort of live across the world that don't know about our, our beloved sport. But... Every so often, there is a rare athlete and there is a rare player that puts our sport on the map. Sonny Bill Williams certainly did that. And, uh, you know, we're going to go through his career, but let's just quickly touch on, I guess, the overall impact that Sonny Bill Williams has had on rugby league and, yeah, promoted promoting our beloved game. Um, mate, I didn't notice, like, I didn't realise how young this kid was until having to do a bit of research for this pod. Uh, 36 years old and... The career that he's had is incredible. Um, you know, he was so young and he has kind of had a career of a lot of firsts, uh, you know, like first moved to Australia to sign with the Bulldogs. And I think that's incredible at 18 years old at the time. I think he might have been the youngest to sign for them, um, you know, played a, a first grade game at 18. I can't imagine like, the stuff I was doing at 18 would have was nowhere near that kind of level of professionalism to be running out and playing a game of an RL. Like, Dana, just, it's just, unreal. Just quickly on that, like, you know, debuting at 18 and, you know, Sonny Bill coming into that Canterbury system, I think it, you know, if we sort of, if we, you know, switch our minds back to those early 2000s, 2004, I think he debuted for Canterbury. It was really, um, you know, a time when, you know, rugby league was changing, you know, like obviously we saw the emergence of a lot of the Polynesian players, but I really felt like Sonny Bill Williams was that next wave of athlete. As you mentioned, he came in at 18 uh, and he did not back down. You know, he was able to sort of compete with, you know, the 20s and 30-year-old forwards who had been in the game forever. Um, he was impressive day one when he moved into the Bulldog system. Yeah, he was off the bat. Uh, he was just an incredible player. The speed and the agility of that young man. I think it was, the, like you said, debuted in 2004, and he was playing an Anzac Day test for the Kiwis. That's just unbelievable. You know, he's got a list you could not write, like you could not have all 10 fingers up and that has all of his accolades because it's just never ending. Yeah. Um, let alone the fact that as an 18-year-old, won a premiership. <laughs> it's one of the, the very rarities of Canterbury Bulldog supporters is actually getting into the finals and then winning a premiership. But he did that first season, I think, is just imagine having that on your resume. He, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting because they came through in that golden era and, uh, you know, Sonny just added like a little bit of X factor, a little bit of an edge. And realistically, there wasn't really an answer for him because, you know, he started off playing a little bit of center because he had the speed. And then 
slowly but surely he made his way into the middle where he could, um, you know, cause more and more problems. But, um, you know, the, the things that I remember when it comes back to his early career is just that hand size, his ability to carry the football in one hand like it was a tennis ball, his offload. Um, just when you think you got Sonny down to the ground, he was able to get that offload away. And, uh, yeah, look, you're right. He was a big part of that premiership success. Dana, we've got to speed through this guy's career. Otherwise, we're going to be here all night. But, you know, if you fast forward it, you know, Sonny Bill Williams becomes the face of rugby league, you know, the face of the game. And then I, I remember it like it was yesterday. He just gets on a plane disappears to France in the middle of that first contract. I mean, it was it was a historic moment for the game because, you know, we've never seen, uh, well, we rarely see a player walk out on their contract, let alone a superstar of their game. It was, it was an unbelievable situation and I guess, you know, just had everyone scratching their head. I just can't imagine, like, like he, I mean, he's done it before. Like, he up and moved his entire life from Auckland to Sydney to play for the Bulldogs. But the fact that he's just up and moved countries again, uh, let alone changing sports and then running away and running a muck over in, in Union is is beyond me. And I just can't comprehend the agility, but also being able to just change and transition sports like that is, I can't even fathom it. Like I can barely play one sport, let alone transitioning to two or three and then running, jumping back over to, to NRL back coming into 2020 or 2019. It's just it's impeccable and it's a talent like his that is very rare. Um, and I don't think, I don't think it's, it's often that you'll see this kind of uh, ability to kind of just pop around all these sports do so well and be so successful as well. And then just kind of strut back in like nothing's ever happened and chuck on a Jersey and play some NRL. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Sonny reminds me a lot of like LeBron James, you know, early in Sonny's career, I think he made the mistake of, you know, diving in and signing a massive long contract with not really understanding his, international value which I which again I keep coming back to that's very unique for a rugby league player and I think you know with uh with his manager there in Kodanasa they they very much sat down and and said you know internationally he had an opportunity to go and make some serious coin and and really make a name for himself on the global stage he did that Dana he went obviously overseas to Toulon um, learned how to play rugby union and you know, he wasn't he wasn't just participating in the game. Surprise, surprise, he goes over there and dominates and, you know, really builds an incredible C V in the game of rugby union, goes on and represents the All Blacks, um, and, you know, competes at the highest level. A- again, it's um, you know, what can you say about, you know, a dual international? We've had some um in the game, but you know, to to perform at that level in both codes, it's very, very impressive. Yeah, it's, again, it's something that I could never fathom. I think, you know, it's it's hard to comprehend. You know, he's two-time, three-time Olympics. He's got multiple, you know, international championships. He's got medals upon medals upon, you know, accolades. But I think something that I always thought was one of the funniest things that I liked about his career was that he's I was actually the first 21st century player to be set off in, a, in round one. Uh, so it's 2007, he was sent off round one for the first time in God knows how long for, I think it was a high, careless high tackle, um, just like you said, around the those rule changes that were coming in those early 2000s. And I just, I, that made me giggle just for someone who's so experienced and so tough. I'm like, you could make something so careless, but then now you're so well known. Um, but also, you know, there was that gap where he took and he was a, a guest on uh, Fox Sports, I think. Um, you know, and just commentated for a couple of years while he ret- like recovered from an injury. And I just, again, that's something that a lot of people look at 
after their career. So when they're, you know, in their 30s or 40s after they've finished and done everything, whereas this kid did it in his mid-20s, middle of his career and he's injured, he's like, all right, I'll go commentate. I'm like, go make comments on everyone else playing. Uh, and I think having that ability to to kind of transition to that outsider looking in rather than a player is is very hard to find because even nowadays, you know, you listen to the commentators and you hear these reports and they're, you can still hear that they will back their team that they played for, uh, you know, even if they're not supposed to or they try not to, but you'll always hear it. Uh, it's really hard to, to miss when you watch Origin, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. But it's good. And he's just um, incredible. Uh, like lost for words, you know, there's only – I can keep going, but it just speaks for itself. Sonny Bill Williams, you just – if you follow NRL, you know that name and it's hard to forget it. Yeah, if you're, uh, you know, if you're anywhere in the world, you know that name, which, again, is pretty impressive. So uh, Canterbury, the Crusaders, uh, the Chiefs, you know, goes away to rugby league, um, you know, and that, that's after his stint in Toulon, makes a massive name for himself in the game of rugby union. Uh, but this is an NRL show, and we're getting back, Dana, which, I, you know, honestly is, is so important because, you know, realistically, he could have stayed in rugby union, um, and no one would have begrudged him for that. But, you know, Nick Politis, the Sydney Roosters, the great uh, club there, you know, they got involved. And I think, you know, I remember every year he was in rugby union, all the teams were trying to get him back. So I, I could only imagine the amount of calls that him and his manager would have received begging him to come back. Uh, but when Nick Politis uh, jumps on the phone, I think you take that call. Um, he joins in with, uh, you know, Trent Robinson uh, with the Sydney Roosters and, you know, I, I guess goes on an incredible journey there, which, you know, a- again, leads to more success. Yeah, so, you know, he made his debut uh, with a record crowd, I think, and television audience, scored his first try for a new club, you know, uh, as a a 50-0 win against the Eels, which is incredible. Like the fact that getting to 50 in NRL is massive, uh, let alone having that defence to back it up and keep the other team at at a zero score, I think is is something that people tend to overlook a lot in NRL. Um, You know, having to defend that line consistently but then you know they've turned around and broke away and got that gap so big as I is impeccable and it's it's very rare like I said for it to happen uh you know I think almost every game he played he copped at least one try um you know throughout the entire season it's man of the match he's just copping shields and he's just thousands of records he's got to his name but I think that it's the the Jack Gibson medal that he got at the Roosters Player of the Year Awards that year uh, when he first signed, you know, is something that just shows how much he can impact one club after one year. You know, sometimes you're just one player away, and that, that's what happened with the Sydney Roosters in 2013. You know, you just you go out, you sign Sonny Bill Williams, and he was the difference, and he got him that premiership there in that first year against Manly, 26 points to 18, 81,000 people in attendance to watch him star. And, you know, they were back-to-back minor premiers um, during his stint there with the Roosters. Um, didn't, you know, wasn't able to go back-to-back in 2014, but just incredibly successful, which, uh, you know, I, I guess is, is Sonny Bill Williams. Dana, um, obviously he flirts with us. He comes back to rugby league and then he leaves again. Um, but again, you can't begrudge him because you felt like he came back, he redeemed himself he rebuilt his reputation because a lot of people were dirty on him for, for, for leaving the Bulldogs. I know that that sort of, you know, uh, a lot of fans were very upset about that. Comes back, re-establish himself, win, has those victories, um, returns back to Rugby Union and, you know, pr- proceeds to, again, finish off his, his um, 
you know, an incredible career there. Three World Cups. Um, yeah, again, incredible. Incredible. Uh, and like you said, after that, that Rooster stint, you know, he, again, adding countries to his list of accolades, he's gone off to Canada and played in their British rugby league system as well. Um, and I think that's just, it's to me, it's so random. It's like thinking about that there's, I honestly didn't know. I was like, as if like rugby is not that big outside of Australia and like the UK and Europe, but then over here there's Canada and America have their, their own leagues. Um, but, you know, switched back over eventually after the two-year deal and he um, definitely he knocked back a lot of a lot of money to come back to, to NRL in 2020. And I think that that's a whole, a whole nother conversation. Like the fact that you've come back to Australia in the middle of a pandemic uh, to help the Sydney Roosters who were just ravaged with injuries left, right and centre, I think they were missing 10 or 11 of their top 17 um, back in 2020. It was really rough looking at that mid-year kind of towards finals when you had hardly any of your your name, your playmakers. Uh, and, you know, there's rumoured that he was paid a lot of money for those last few games. But you know what? It got the Roosters uh, into the, you know, a final series and I think it was, it was worth it in the end. But, yeah, it's just incredible. Yeah, no, Sonny Bill Williams uh, rounds off, yeah, as you said, in the Roosters jersey uh, in, in the game that he loves, and I think that that is quite uh, that's quite fitting. Uh, Dana, we also bypass, you know, a little bit of a boxing career as well. Look at them, uh, you know what I mean? Anyone that's brave enough to step in the ring has my respect, and he's pretty handy. You know, obviously he continues to, um, you know, you know, work through his uh, media career. Very, very talented in that space. Continues to box. Obviously him and the Paul Gallon fight. Will it happen? Won't it happen? Uh, we'll see what happens there. But just to round things off, Dana, the question that I ask as we go through all of these legends, will Sonny Bill Williams be an immortal? So uh, my, my quick two cents on it is I, I think he's a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame, but you know, given he sort of jumped in and out of rugby league, I couldn't sort of, you know, put him into that category myself. Um, is a big name, um, had an amazing career, but it's a no from me, but definitely in the Hall of Fame. You, what about yourself in terms of reflecting on how Sonny Bill Williams will, will be remembered? Um, and, yeah, the question we ask with a lot of these legends is, um, you know, in and around that Invincibles. I think, like I said, it is hard to look at because he didn't have that consistent career as some of the many other greats have had where they've just kind of smashed out NRL for 20 years and then gone off and that's it. I think, you know, him jumping around for you might stint it, whereas I think it helped him gain some more experience, some more versatility, um, some more skills on and off the field that I think have affected him in a positive way throughout his career. Um, You know, obviously didn't get quite get there in that last year, but even, you know, as he moved on to boxing, He's got eight wins and three by knockout. Like, I would pay good money, and I say that wholeheartedly, to see him knock out Paul Gallen. Uh, but <laughs> you know what? I I genuinely think that he will be uh, one to remember and definitely in that Hall of Fame. Yeah, excellent. All right, we both agree their Hall of Fame may not be uh, quite up there in that immortal um, status uh, quite yet, but an incredible career, incredible athlete, and a great person continues to do a lot of work uh, for his community. All right, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. 
All right, Dana, let's show a little bit of love to the Canterbury Bulldogs and in the match we're going to highlight two of their most impressive players uh, in the forward pack, and that is Josh Jackson coming up against Paul Vaughan tonight. Uh, Dana, let's talk a little bit about Josh Jackson. I, I've got a lot of thoughts on him because, you know, if you think about his career, uh, you know, incredibly, incredibly impressive. You know, he, he's a guy who, you know, has probably, um, you know, represented the Bulldogs during some of their most challenging years, but has been regularly recognized as one of the game's best. One of the things I would say, though, on Josh is he really, uh, I guess, became a defensive workhorse and, in an era of, you know, the flashy forwards, the footwork, the offloads, the playmaking ability, I, I just feel like Josh, you know, kind of got left behind when it comes to some of the more modern athletes. But taking nothing away defensively, he's probably one of the best, uh, you know, and, and in terms of toughness as well, probably one of the, uh, yeah, the hardest working players we see in the competition. Yeah, I think that that stems from his age as well. You know, he's been uh, a bulldog for, for more than 10 years now, to my knowledge. And I think he's just that consistent that, like you said, through everything that Paul Club has been through, especially in recent years, you know, sticking to that bottom half. But he hasn't gone anywhere. He is a one-club player so far. We're not going to, you know, jinx it. But that that man has just got some incredible accolades to his name. You know, he was a last-minute debut um, when he was when he came on and they beat Melbourne Storm, I remember, 20 to 4. It was, you know... I remember watching that and being like, that isn't it. I can't believe I just lost to the Bulldogs um, kind of games. Like that's one of those, you know, you kind of take a step back and go, all right, this kid's got something. Like you said, he doesn't have that fancy footwork that, you know, these new kids, these Cameron Monsters and Brian Pappenhausers, all that kind of stuff might have, you know, to get through. But he's still got that massive strength. You know, he's can if he runs, he'll run fast. And if he hits, he hits hard. And I think that's, like you said, a bit underestimated, but, He's just got accolades beyond anyone to compare to. And I think that the Bulldogs really need to hang on to Josh as much as they can because if they lose him, they're going to be in a world of trouble. Yeah, it's, it's you know very impressive. You know, 31 years of age, is the skipper at the club, brings a lot of le- leadership, toughness, and... You know, yeah, he, he probably, you know, sort of, um, you know, probably the representative game moved away from his skill set. But, you know, Dana, one of the things I would say is you don't win competition. I mean, obviously, Canterbury are not in that situation at the moment, but you cannot win competitions without the Josh Jacksons of the world. You know, the ability to have these leaders in the middle, um, you know, the ability to kind of do those those tough carries, um, you know, I, I, think, I think they are very, very important. So still very much a place in the game for the Josh Jacksons of the world. All right, Dana, let's flip it over and have a look at his competitor tonight, and it is the much controversial uh, Paul Vaughan. Um, you know, we're not we're not that type of podcast in terms of talking about all of the, the challenges that Paul's had in recent times. If you want to check that out, jump on Google and you'll get a good overview of that. But, Dana, sticking with him as a player, you know, again, a really fascinating story and, you know, probably a player that, you know, a, a lot of, you know, young footballers look up to just because of his... Um, you know, his size, he's not the, the tallest player, you know, in the competition, but, you know, he's certainly been able to, um, you know, I, I guess deliver a really impressive career. Let's go through it a little bit quickly. Um, Canberra Raiders, uh, St. George Water Dragons, Canterbury Bulldogs, and, you know, quite a bit of rep football in there as well. The, I think the rep football is something that goes underestimated between NRL seasons because you look at a lot of it and, you know, obviously Origin and 
like happens throughout the year and a lot of people miss those those in between games but I think that um Paul's definitely been a constant um very much so like we'll play those in between slots regardless of whether it's origin if he's picked for the squad or not um like you said you know all stars as well it's just he's got a bit you know we all know the issues especially in the last 12 months that he's faced kind of outside of NRL, but you you can't go past his his playing career on the field is next to none. Um, I think the move to the Bulldogs is probably, it could go either way. It could be really good for him. Uh, it could be that fresh start that he needs to kind of, but, you know, help push and like push himself as well as pushing the Bulldogs as they help with that kind of mini rebuild and spending spree that they've been going on uh, coming into the 2022 season. But it could also kind of hold him back. But, I mean, after five years at, at St. George, how, how much worse could it get? Yeah, and it's, it's going to be interesting because he's evolved his game. You know, he was, he, you, know, the, you know, the Italian stallion, he was quite aggressive in terms of his carries as a younger player, you know, dominated at the representative level. You know, at times where he was, you know, one of the best forwards, you know, in the world. And, you know, obviously, you know, 30 years of age, I just feel like he's a he's a really in, important player, and Dana, I agree. This could definitely go either way, but you know, one of the things that he's going to bring to the table is you know, touch wood. Obviously, he can he can stay fit and injury free, but it's it's consistency that the Bulldogs have been lacking. You know, one week a player is playing really really well, the next player they're, they're the worst on the field. You know, one through seventeen, everyone's had had a go at that. Uh, so for me, I think Paul Paul Vaughan will bring a little bit of um, consistency there in the middle. All right, Dana, no sitting on the fence. I know this is pretty tricky. Josh Jackson, Paul Vaughan, two, you know, quite different players. But, um, yeah, where are you going in this one? I think, like you said, uh, it's it's the consistency for me that I think a lot of these players need to work on. Um, I think with Paul, although he has put in the hard yards uh, while he's been away from the team uh, last year and away from the, the sport, I just think that Josh having that consistency throughout you know, his long career that is still going, he is able to change and adapt to the changing sport and how it's, you know, how it's played and the rules that are coming through. And just, I think that experience is just going to back him. So I'm going Josh Jackson. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to round things off. I'm going to go with Paul Vaughan, six foot four, 110 kilos, 30 years of age. You know, theoretically, you know, if, if forwards can stay fit and healthy, they actually start to, you know, increase their production towards, you know, that 30 years of age. So I guess he's in his prime. Very interesting situation, only being on a one-year deal. Again, this is going to go one or two ways for Paul. I'm going to back him in to have a have a quite a productive start to the season. Um, yeah, Paul Vaughan for me. All right, well, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing Closing Time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and Dana, you know, one of the things we love about rugby league is it's banter. It's putting shit on, you know, the teams that we don't support. And, uh, you know, this team, the Parramatta Reels, they, they quite often get picked on because obviously they're in a pretty big premiership drought. But um, in all seriousness, they are a pretty uh, impressive club when you go back through and look at some of the incredible players that they've had. And, you know, let's continue with our Legends series. And the question I've got for you is who is your favourite retired e- Eels player? Look, I just want to quickly touch on, uh, look who's talking about a premiership drought, Mr. Newcastle Knights. Um, it's, been a, it's, but look, it's been a minute, that's for sure. <laughs> minute or an hour, but all right. 
yeah, so retired Eels players, I had a look into a couple of different people, but I think um, Brett Kenny is someone that definitely stood out to me. Um, I I love the idea of one club players. Um, I've said it before. It's one of the things that I love about Melbourne Storm is there's so many, as a Storm supporter, there's so many people, you know, Cameron Smith is that epitome of 400 games in one club, but you know, Brett Kenny did it first. He he walked so Cameron Smith could run. Um, you know, 17 tests, 17 origins for for New South Wales. You know, he got those Paul Parramatta Eels to four grand finals. They were in their prime when he was in his prime and it, it was peak of the 80s NRL that I think a lot of Sydney uh, now take for granted because, you know, you've got all these other teams coming in from into like adding new to the club that are taking away from their little New South Wales bubble of rugby league. So, you know, he's a Dalian winner, two-time Clive Churchill in 82 and 83, but he didn't just back up that one club skills that he's had, you know, for his longevity of his career. He turned around and became a coach. He was a coach for the Penrith Panthers when they won, took him to a grand final in 2006. And I think, you know, being able to play NRL and being a coach or a commentator are two and three completely different ballparks. Like you can play it, but to remove yourself from it and be able to to give your wisdom to someone else and this new generation of Penrith who have then turned around and 15 years later done it again and that those who played in that 2006 final were a part of the coaching staff and the team and the upcoming and the fact that they turned around and 15 years later won a 2021 premiership. So Brett Kenny is just a, a he's just paved the way for so many people in NRL and I just think that is incredible and he will forever be a legend. Could you imagine turning up to Penrith Panthers jersey flag and Brett Kenny walks through the door as a coach? I mean, that would be pretty incredible. You'd touch on it, an absolute legend. Uh, you know, one of the best origin players we have ever seen. He's a uh, playmaking ability, something truly special. And, uh, yeah, definitely was, uh, you know, one of the leaders of that, that glory uh, era for Parramatta. And uh, for a lot of Parramatta fans, they're hoping that can come back around very, very soon. Uh, look, for me, it's going to be um, someone who's, you know, just a little bit out of the box, and that is Nathan Heinemann. You know, he's probably well known at the moment for being, you know, a little bit of a funny guy in the media. But, uh, yeah, don't let that fool you. Nathan Hindmarsh was a special footballer. You know, there's been a lot of players who get celebrated for, you know, their incredible high tackle counts and things like that. Nathan Hindmarsh was doing that week in, week out through his entire career. And then not only that, he was an attacking threat on the edge, Um you know, was not again. He wasn't just sort of participating. You know, within his clubs, he was dominant. He was dominating. He was dominant at state level. He was dominant for his country. Um, you know, it gets a little bit of shit put on him that he didn't win a premiership, but an outstanding player and uh, yeah, a pretty good bloke behind the scenes there as well. So yeah, a couple of legends there for the Parramatta Reels. Let's see what twenty twenty two has in store for that great club. All right. Well, that's the that's all the time we have uh, tonight, Dana. I just want to. Thank you. Always bringing the heat as we talk all things rugby league. And to our listeners, the NRL season has arrived. It is finally here. Uh, and here at Mojo, we're going to be bringing you a ton of content. Uh, we really do appreciate your support. Uh, continue to download the podcast, share with family and friends. And until next week, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. 
team and I are trying to build something a little different here. So everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.